بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين بإذن الله today we will go over another amazing surah in the Quran and this is surah al-balad what's interesting to note is in this surah Allah جل وعلا mentions the messenger he mentions the message itself what he came with sallallahu alayhi wasallam he also speaks about those who he was sent to so he speaks about human beings and humankind and he also speaks about the place wherein the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam first received revelation and that was in mecca allah jalla wa ala begins by saying la uqsimu bihadha albalad here allah jalla wa ala is taking an oath by the city which city the city of mecca as for the la at the beginning the mufassirin mention quite a bit of detail one of the most common opinions is that this lam is for emphasis so allah jalla wa ala is taking a qasam by the city the city of mecca la uqsimu bihadha albalad he then says wa anta hillum bihadha albalad and you o messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam soon will be halal in the city this is the most common opinion what does this mean as we all know makkah is a sacred city even before islam came there was the kaaba there was the haram the people used to respect the haram they didn't used to kill people they didn't used to fight even when it came to the animals they didn't really used to hunt so allah jalla wa ala is saying that these people When it comes to this they want to uphold the sanctity of Makkah. However when it comes to you O Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam they want to drive you out, they want to trouble you, they want to try and kill you. So in the near future it will soon be halal for you to fight back. Basically talking about the conquest of Makkah. As for everybody else as Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentions in the hadith that Makkah remains sacred. it was only permitted for the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam for a little while during the day to fight and basically take back makkah so that fighting in the conquest of makkah allah jalla wa ala allowed the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam only before him nobody was allowed and after him nobody is allowed to fight in makkah another opinion when it comes to this verse wa anta hillum bihadha albalad you o messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam are a resident or somebody who is living in makkah allah jalla wa ala then says wa walidin wa ma walad taking an oath by every father and every child the mufassirin then mention is this referring to adam alayhi salam being the father and the rest of creation being the children or is it referring to every single father and every single child basically referring to the whole of creation so allah jalla wa ala is taking an oath here then he says laqad khalaqna al-insana fi kabat indeed we have created man in a state of difficulty he moves from level to level he moves from difficulty to difficulty so we find before he's born it's difficult for him he has to come out of his mother's stomach when he's young again it's difficult he's teething as mentioned by the mufassirin also as he grows up it's difficult growing up he then has to learn and look after himself and get married and try to earn 
He then works hard, he goes through difficulties in life, eventually dies and then he's got the problem or he's got the worry of what happens after death and worries on the day of Qiyamah. So Allah is basically saying that man is in a constant toil and a constant struggle. Another opinion is Allah is saying indeed he has created man in the best of posture and being upright. Allah then says, does this man think that nobody has the power to take him to task? Nobody has the power to punish him. Some of the Mufassirin mention that the reason for this verse being revealed was that there was a man from Quraysh who was very strong and had a lot of wealth. And he used to boast that he spent a lot of wealth in order to harm Muhammad. So Allah is talking about him and he says, does he think that nobody will be able to punish him because of what he's done? He says that I've spent a lot of wealth in trying to harm Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah then says, Does he think that nobody sees him? Does he think that Allah doesn't know and record and see what he does? The other way of interpreting the verse is this is a general message. Allah is addressing the people, telling them, Do you think that nobody will be able to get hold of you or punish you? And in another qira'ah, it means, Does man who spends his wealth think that nobody will take him to account? And as is mentioned in the hadith of Rasulullah that a person will be asked about so many things on the day of Qiyamah. And two of these things will be about his wealth. How did you earn this wealth and where did you spend it? So Allah says, These people who are just spending wealth and throwing it around, not even thinking of the day of Qiyamah, the day they will be held accountable for, they are saying, I have spent a lot of wealth, I have wasted a lot of wealth and nobody will bring me to task. Allah then says, Does he think that nobody sees him? Does he think that he is alone and he can do as he wishes? No, Allah is the one who sees and records everything. Allah then says, Reminding him, reminding this person, reminding mankind as a whole that do you not ponder over the bounties and the gifts of Allah Did you not see how we made for you two eyes? And a tongue which is housed in between two lips. And we showed him the path of goodness and the path of evil. We gave him a choice to choose between the two. Some of the Mufassirin at this verse mention an interesting athar, even though in its chain or in its isnad, it's not really strong, but it's mentioned nonetheless. When it comes to the eyes, Allah has made for us two eyelids. So if a person happens to see haram, Allah has granted him these two eyelids so he can close and protect his eyes. When it comes to his tongue, Allah has granted him two lips. And these lips, in case he's going to say something wrong or he's going to say something that displeases Allah, he should keep his mouth quiet. 
he should stop his tongue from speaking. And in the same way, when it comes to his private part, Allah Jalla wa'ala has put it between his legs and these legs are also a protection. He should close his legs and protect them from all forms of haram. We ask Allah Jalla wa'ala to protect us. The one who ponders over this also will find that there are other ahadith that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentions, ahadith which are sahih and authentic, speaking about the evils of the tongue and how a person would be thrown in the fire just because of a few words that he said, because of his tongue. Also, the person who can guarantee the protection of what is between his two cheekbones, basically the tongue, and between his two thighs, the private part. Rasulullah says that this person is guaranteed Jannah. Allah Jalla wa'ala then says, If we go according to the tafsir of those who say that this is referring to a specific person, it's as though Allah Jalla wa'ala is saying that this person who is wasting his wealth to trouble Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, did he not think of using this wealth to pass Aqaba? Aqaba, the Mufassirin mentioned, could be a mountain in Jahannam, or it could be a metaphor to indicate a difficulty that will be on the day of Qiyamah, and people will have to pass through this Aqaba or this obstacle and difficulty in order to get to Jannah. So Allah Jalla wa'ala is saying that did this person not think about using his wealth to pass over Aqaba? What makes you know, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what is Aqaba? Some of the Mufassireen mention that there is a hidden word here, basically saying that what makes you know, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, how to pass over this Aqaba or this obstacle. Allah jalla wa'ala then speaks about some of the good deeds that this person should have done when it came to his wealth. He should have freed a slave. Some of the Mufassirin mention that it could be meaning that this person didn't use his wealth to free a slave. La Again, if we go back to these verses and use the more general meaning, the one way Allah Jalla wa'ala is basically reprimanding and warning every human being who wastes his wealth and who thinks there will be no hisab and no account, Allah Jalla wa'ala says, Instead of wasting their wealth, why didn't they use it to go over Aqaba, whether it's a mountain in Jahannam or some sort of metaphor referring to an obstacle on the day of Qiyamah? What makes you know, O Muhammad, وسلم, how this person could have used his wealth to save himself or to pass over this difficulty? He should have freed a slave. This is one of the ways where he can pass this aqaba. Or to feed a person, especially one who is in need, and especially when food is hard to come by. Or he could have used this wealth to feed an orphan, especially an orphan who is related or close by. Remember, when you give charity to somebody who is in need and they are also related to you, then there is a reward for giving and there is also a reward for being good to a relative. So Allah Jalla wa'ala is basically saying that this insan should have used his wealth to do this or when doing this, a person is able to pass over aqaba 
and this difficulty on the day of Qiyamah. Yatiman dha maqrabah. Basically feeding the orphan or helping him out in general, especially the orphan that is close to you. Aw miskinan dha matrabah. Or he could have used this wealth to help a poor person. Matrabah basically comes from the word turab. Turab is sand. So Allah Jalla wa'ala is describing this poor person as having nothing. Basically it's like he is stuck to the dirt. He's got no shelter. He's got nothing above him. Absolutely nothing. He is in need. So Allah Jalla wa'ala is saying, instead of wasting your wealth elsewhere, you could have spent it in all these different avenues and done good deeds so you could save yourself from aqaba. Allah Jalla wa'ala then says, ثُمَّ كَانَ مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Along with doing all these good deeds, they are the people who believe. So somebody who does these good deeds and they believe, وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ They encourage one another to be patient. Remember, patience is of different levels. The scholars mention that there are three levels when it comes to patience. The lowest when it comes to patience is being patient when an affliction befalls you. Something happens, somebody dies, you lose something. Here you are patient. This is sabr. It is a form of sabr. The next form of sabr is patience where you prevent yourself from carrying out a sin. So you want to do something, your nafs desires to disobey Allah and you hold it back. This is also part of sabr. And the highest part of sabr is when it comes to carrying out a good deed, you are patient when carrying out this good deed. You know, sometimes you want to read your salah, you want to have qiyamul layl. To do this good deed, you need to be patient. So there are different levels of sabr. So these people, along with doing good deeds and believing, they encourage one another to be patient. They encourage one another to be merciful, especially when it comes to the creation of Allah Jalla wa'ala. As Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions in a hadith, Ar-Rahimuna yarhamuhum ar-Rahman. Basically those who are merciful when it comes to dealing with others, Ar-Rahman, the one who is most merciful, Allah Jalla wa'ala, will have mercy on them. He then says, Irhamu man fil ardi, yarhamkum man fil sama'. Be merciful to all those who are on earth, and the one who is above the heavens will have mercy on you. Allah Jalla wa'ala then says, Ula'ika ashabul maymana. These people who did all these good deeds and believed, encouraged one another to do good and be patient, they will be from the people of the right. They will be from the people of Jannah and they will also get their books in their right hands. As for those who rejected, who disbelieved, who didn't want to listen to the message, they spent their wealth in a way where they thought there will be no account, Allah Jalla wa'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِآيَاتِنَا هُمْ أَصْحَابُ الْمَشْأَمَةِ As for those who rejected our signs, they will be from those who will be on the left, basically. The left, those who get their books in their left hand, and they will be put in the fire. May Allah Jalla wa'ala save us. He then says, عَلَيْهِمْ نَارٌ مُؤْصَدَةٌ Mu'sada is basically something that is locked in. So they will be put into the fire and they will be locked into this fire. Again, may Allah Jalla wa'ala protect us and save us. There are a lot of fawa'id and benefits when it comes to this surah. One we can derive is when Allah Jalla wa'ala speaks about wealth and how a person who has wealth, he should know that Allah will ask him about his wealth. Allah knows where he spends his wealth. So he should spend it in a way 
where he is saving himself from the difficulties of the Akhirah. Remember, as Allah said, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ Basically, man has been created in difficulty, moving from difficulty to difficulty. Some of the Mufassirin mentioned that this difficulty, the only thing that can save him and make it easy for him, especially in his qabr, in his grave and on the day of Qiyamah, is by doing good deeds. If he doesn't do good deeds, this difficulty only gets worse and worse and worse until a person reaches the fire. May Allah Jalla wa'ala save us and may he grant us halal and pure sustenance and grant us the ability to spend it in a way that pleases him. We ask Allah Jalla wa'ala to grant us all beneficial knowledge. Ameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.